Okay, right? So, hi everyone, how you doing? I'm Ian Wright, and I want to tell you about Wright's House, my podcast on The Ringer. Twice a week, I'm joined by a rotating panel of guests to talk about football, films, life, and even cars. The film. <laughs> we give out flowers, we break down goals, and sometimes we talk about some serious topics around football and other sports. Come join us twice a week. Search for Wright's House on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Take it easy. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Take care, gang. Take care, gang. How's you, fellow kids? <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Miss Rokwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks, man. Now I calm down. Had a little semi-dance <laughs> semi off before we start. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. You did. You did. It was fun. It was how, great fun. How are you, man? Very well, indeed. Squeezing the last few drops out of roll next season, as you can see. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> squeezing the last three drops out of, few drops out of roll next season while also continuously mopping his sweaty brow. <laughs> I did actually wear, I wore a Christmas sweater. <laughs> yeah, in August last year when we did the podcast. No, like, like I don't know, two, was it May? Two weeks ago. I wore one two weeks ago. Wow, I'm glad uh, you didn't do it when uh, we did the podcast again. I'm sure the one that the lights year. up? <laughs> you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it's another one. <laughs> it's another one. <laughs> well, listen, as, uh, was it, it was Wizard, wasn't it, who said uh, that they wish it could be Christmas every day. That's my idea. I'm shortening the year. Next thing is listening to Nat King Cole in June. <laughs> shortening the year. <laughs> I remember once Flo Dill on NTS played uh, Paul McCartney Wonderful Christmas Time on one of the breakfast shows, but in June. Incredible. I think it was. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Breaking the fourth wall. Yes. But um, anyway, we hope everyone else is staying safe, staying well, wherever you are, wherever, wherever, wherever you are in the world. We're going to whiz through some games today because you've got a train to catch. I do indeed. Got to see a man about a horse. Well, you got to see me about a podcast. That's true. That's true. Because I'll be seeing you tomorrow. That's true. And I'm yeah. very excited. It's one of us. So, so yes, yes. Well, 
Fuck you. <laughs> but anyway, um, some admin flow and Musa will be on Wright's house on Friday. And then Musa and I will be recording a couple of episodes with Ian that will go out while Ian's away. Mm. Um, I'm excited about those, actually. Got some cool stuff lined up. Great stuff. Don't forget to check Counter Press with Flo and the gang. And also Carl and I were on Wright's house on Tuesday talking a bit about some more about Potter and Rogers and also a little bit about Spurs Everton. Everton mm. Spurs, sorry, yeah, yeah. from Monday night. So go check that. And um, don't forget to check theringer.com. It's Masters Week. Very excited for that. That's great. Hashtag golf. All the other good stuff on The Ringer. And check the Stadio Outro's place on Spotify. All the music we play on each episode, newest ones at the top. But um, we're going to whiz around some games today. Let's do it. Let's whiz and away. we will get into it after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, well, we have to begin in Camp Nou. We do. Quite a curious result. Barcelona nil, Real Madrid 4 in the second leg of the Copa del Rey. Uh, Barcelona 1-0 up from the first leg. And one of those results that, based on this season, kind of didn't see coming, but absolutely saw coming. Yeah, it didn't. You know, it's, Barcelona's defensive record is confusingly good. Deceptively good. And Barcelona's league position is deceptively good. And it's weird because I, I saw this game and thought, you can, watching this, even though Barcelona are ahead in the league, are clear in the league, they're not the best team in Spain. They're not the best team in Spain. And that, that, that sounds like a harsh thing to say. It's not often you say that, but their highest, the problem is that Real Madrid's peak is, is, is higher than Barcelona's peak. Yeah. And Real Madrid have players in and out. Uh, look, Barcelona are well clear. They're 12 points clear in, in that league. And that maybe sound like a, a brutal thing, a mean thing for me to say. What I mean by that is the level that Real Madrid went to was so far higher than what Barcelona are capable of conjuring, both technically and psychologically in the second half, that they couldn't live with it. And it was a very revealing comment. Sergio Roberto, post-match, came out and said that the first Real Madrid goal did for them, yeah, which I, thought was, was, I yeah. thought that was an but astonishing I, admission. But I think psychologically you could see why, which we'll get onto in a minute. But it's interesting you said yeah. that uh, Barcelona aren't the, the best team in Spain. And I kind of agree with you, but I think I'm going to reword it if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Barcelona have been the best team in La Liga this season. Yes, exactly that. That's exactly. the way I'd frame it. There's been a lot less noise out of um, that camp than there has for a long time. The thing about this performance, and I think it was a bit startling, it was a bit concerning from uh, Xavi's perspective. Like, first of all, like in Barcelona's defence, they were missing a lot of players. They're missing Pedri, um, Christensen, a couple of others. Uh, so they had some big absentees. At the same time, it was there's a psychological thing there. Like, 
and, and to your point, so it was nil nil until the stroke of half time. Barcelona mm. have a really great attack, go downfield, yeah. really close Lewandowski to scoring. Lewandowski has a really good chance to really close to scoring, yeah. and then Real just come up the other end and just put this thing away. Stoppage uh, time at the end of the first ab- half. Absolutely. Right? No, no, but then again, that's not fatal. That's one all going into the half time. But the second half, they just came out and just shut down everything. And, and absolutely, Keith, there's a lot of praise for him on social media. Camavinga at left back. I've been wondering for a long time what made Aguero so salty that he went after Camavinga on Instagram Live so much. And I think it was simply because in his second best position, he effectively kept Leo Messi at bay, a peak Leo Messi at bay in terms of peak playmaker for about an hour of the World Cup final. At that age. And I think, that's, I think that is actually the only reason why Aguero was salty about it. I don't know if there's anything more to it than that. But in this game, Camavinga was mind-blowing, actually. So good. It's just really interesting to see now someone who was signed for Real Madrid as a, as a, you know, as a pretty high-profile centre midfielder. Mm. I think someone who will end up playing central midfield for Real Madrid for you know, a decade if they want to. Yeah. Keeping left backs out of the out of the team. I mean, I know they've, they're missing Phil and Mondi, but but still, but still, like Alaba can go central because he's so good wide. Yeah. Camavinga is he's a world class left back, a world class DM, and he'll become a world class eight. Yeah, and actually, he was a world class eight. You know, coming off the bench. I think the one thing with that position is it's really about controlling the tempo higher up the pitch, which mm-hmm. is a different just a different order of magnitude. But it's not nothing that's beyond him. And there's a lot of talk about Churamania and Camavinga not being in the same team. Like they bought those players for a combined total of almost 200 million euros. Like they're, they're going to be, be the good. They're going to they're be in the same team. <laughs> Churamania will end up as the DM and Camavinga will end up as one of the eights. And that's not even a hot take. That's just how it's going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. So then the second half, it was all about Kareem Benzema uh, with a hat trick. Second in two games. My goodness. Yeah. Weirdly, after the first one went in though, you could kind of, since this this massive shift in Barca, even even though uh, Sergio Roberto said after that first goal, mm. but I think the second one coming so soon in the second half, what was after 48, 49, 49 minutes? Yeah. It was just, it felt, it felt like Benzema hat-trick territory. It did, it did. And it kind of just felt inevitable after that, really. It did. I mean, when you see Modric kind of springing forward like that, looking like he's 22 again, it's, I mean, it blows my mind, this. 37 it's, years old. It's freakish. It's the decision-making as well. It's not yeah. just the speed, but the choices. Everything is just absolutely locked in. Benzema looked like he was going to score. Actually, like the like the, like the against Fire lead, I think it was. He looked like he was going to score four in this game. Um, actually, he almost, almost got four in this game. Yeah. Uh, I think Vinicius put it over the line for the first one. So Benzema was within inches of scoring four goals in this match. And Madrid just, you know, with Chelsea on the horizon of the Champions League looking dangerous again. And there's always a dangerous thing about Madrid. They do this quite a lot. When Barcelona take the league, Madrid seem to retaliate by yeah. winning the Champions Everything League. Everything else. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and you, you noted earlier about the injuries from Barcelona. So missing Christensen, um, missing Frankie de Jong, missing yep. Usman Dembele, missing Pedri. Four starters. Big absentees, yeah, big absentees. Um, and... You know, if you look at one of the replacements, Franck Cassier, he gave away the penalty for Benzema, mm. for Benzema's second. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a clumsy challenge, but nothing that I feel was a massive howler. Not a great tackle, but... And then 
Yeah, Benzema's still in the hat-trick with 10 minutes to go. Outrageous assist from Vinicius uh, for one of the Benzema goals where I was thinking, how has he got that through that gap? And then you see it and he's hit the ball under his running foot yeah. to create the separation. It's unreal. It's a schoolyard trick, but execute at the highest level. Unreal, but yeah. And actually, can I say, shout out to Vinicius because he's just spent um, some time in court uh, testifying against someone who was allegedly racially abused him. I think a Mallorca mm. fan. And I'm just like, this guy's called the winner in the Champions League final. He's, he should be busy doing other things, having fun, having vibes. Instead, he's like, having to testify, you know, and for something someone's, it's just ridiculous. So shout out to him and his mental strength um, for delivering he's, so well. He's had a, a truly grim season with the stuff that he's had to deal with this season. Yeah, but he's taken it to a high level still, which is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Real Madrid will face Osasuna in the final after Osasuna drew with Athletic Club one all after extra time to eliminate them 2-1 on aggregate. It's only the second time that Osasuna have reached the Copa del Rey final. Amazing. Amazing. You would absolutely expect Real Madrid to win this. I mean, Osasuna ninth in the league. The only reason I expect them to win it is because they haven't got a prayer in the, in the league, in La Liga. That's the mm. only reason. So there's a kind of, there's a vengeance there. There's a bit of a wounded tiger going on. This, this is not to write off Osasuna, of course, because in a one-off, anything, anything happens, right? I mean, Osasuna haven't beaten Real Madrid since January 2011. So... You would, you'd be hard pressed to not. First time for everything. Well, yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're going to see it, then the Copper Del Rey final is, is the place to see it. Um, so, yeah, that uh, takes place on the 6th of May. So, congratulations to Osasuna. Congrats to Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah. Really impressive to see, um, obviously, Camavinga doing his thing. Uh, Tony Kroos looking pretty adventurous. It just felt like they were limbering up mm. for the Champions League ahead. And this is the thing as well, you know. We'll talk about the turbulence of Chelsea in a while, but weirdly enough, turbulence at a club is not the best thing when you're planning for a big match. You would rather have a settled coach because you don't know what to expect from, from Chelsea. They could go lights out. You just don't know. Mm. So I think they're going to be cautious um, going into that tie. But yeah, it was actually just quite a good game of football, to be honest. Yeah, it was. There were other good games of football this week. And, and there was indeed. also a cup in Germany. Let's start in Munich because... Freiburg won in Munich for the first time, eliminating Bayern and ending Bayern's treble hopes. The treble that they thought Thomas Tuchel was coming in to help them win. And after his second game, their treble dreams are over. And they were one they looked at the lead with uh, Dio Pomacano. And actually, I thought Bayern were, were pretty good, but Freiburg were also pretty good. The equaliser. Oh my God. That's one of the goals of the season. From Nicholas Hoefler was unbelievable. Like half volley left foot, miles out into the top, into the far right hand corner. Anyone that saw Keane's goal against, um, oh anyone, yeah, anyone, anyone, Spurs, anyone yeah. that saw uh, Keane's goal against Spurs, think of that. But think of a goal hit with just as much liberation, if not even more. Yeah, because Keane's, Keane's goal was hit with redemption, and Herfles was hit with, with 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 liberation. It was just like we haven't won here. We need to get something out of this, and he just absolutely ripped it. You know, there's. There are certain there, there are certain strikes every season where you think the person is trying to burst the ball. That was very much one of them. And comparing the Keane goal to the the Hoefler goal, these are like twin goals because they both went went past two of the greatest shot stoppers of their era, Jan Sommer and um, Hugo Lloris, and neither of them moved. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 Sommer was moving. 
but with very much the kind of like the flailing panic of a man who well, knew I have to he was do, never going to get there. I have to do this. You know when you're going for the S-Barn and you hear the do <laughs> and the lights are flashing, right? Yes. And, you're, and, you, and you do the run and you know you're not going to get there. That's, a, that's basically what Jan Sommer was doing for that shot. The token, yeah, the token gesture. Oh, the doors are shut. Oh, he's pulling away. Oh. <laughs> already had the... Uh, it was. The Zeruk Bleiben bitter had already, a, yeah. <laughs> had already been announced. But anyway... That wasn't it. Freiburg weren't done. They were not done. Because there was a penalty for a handball on Jamal Musiala in stoppage time at the end of the game, which... It was fair. It was fair. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. He, didn't, he couldn't really do anything about it. No, because couldn't. it was absolutely smashed into him by Hoefler, I think, again, right? It's either like, give the penalty away or have your bones fractured in your face. <laughs> so, yeah. Hit both hands. Yeah, and then a, um, yeah. it was down to Lucas Hurler to take the penalty. And what a penalty. The roof of the net, the actual roof of the net, yeah, like yeah, like it, <laughs> it was, it was somehow smashed and nestled in the roof of the net. It yes, was unreal. <laughs> it was an unreal penalty for that time, like for that moment of the game. The absolute guts, I know. Cute absolute scenes, absolute scenes. Christian Schreier couldn't believe it for a little moment. He looked genuinely shocked that they'd done it because he's played Bayern a lot. And you know what? They did they lose five uh, nil earlier on the season? Or was it four? I, I think, think it was, was five. It was five. Yeah, it was five in October and. They still have to play them again in the league. They've got them this weekend, I, weirdly, at home, which Actually, this could be. Yeah. I don't want to, this could go either, like one of two ways. They could get an absolute pasting by an angry Bayern, mm. or they could frustrate them again after midweek. And this could have a massive sway in the title race. Can we trust Dortmund to take advantage? Um, so yeah, really interesting. But Eintracht, they're not going to concede easy. They, they showed us something against Union. So they beat, uh, very quickly, they beat Union. We'll get onto RB Leipzig in a moment. But um, Eintracht beat Union 2-0 with two goals in just over 90 seconds by Randall Kalimwani, who is just deep in his bag at this point. It's unbelievable. Beautiful assist by Goetze for the first. Um, and a gorgeous lob, the second. And also Kalim- assisted by Yeah, Kalimwani is just... Do you want to hear a stat about Colin Mwani? Oh, about the shots and goals. Oh my God. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. It's wild. Go for, it. go for it. He's had nine shots in this season's Pokal and he's scored five goals. That's Lewandowski level finishing. That is really... Are you saying Lewandowski? Lewandowski. He's levitated. He has levitated. Thomas, <laughs> Thomas Willink got shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's mega. Yeah. There's nothing. Really I like, I, there's no notes. No notes on Colin Mwani. No notes. Um, it was weird from Union though, because they kind of just looked a bit stunned after that second goal. Mm, yeah. But it's also demoralised when you're cut open like that. Twice mm. in twice in like less than two minutes. The speed, so the, the movement. Game, yeah, right? the speed, the movement, both down the kind of inside right mm. flank. It does, you know, it does put in your heels. Shouts for Mario Goetzer as well. Yes. Well, I think he's just playing some really nice football and just looks very, very he's happy. He's enjoying himself, yeah. He's lived in nice cities, he's lived in Eindhoven, lived in Frankfurt, good vibes, probably very nice neighbour. I'm sure no one in the street knows what he does for a living. <laughs> so yeah, he's uh, yeah, very happy to see him uh, reviving his career after all those injuries. All right, let's talk about Leipzig because Leipzig beat Dortmund 2-0. To be honest, it should have been 1-0. 1-0 was fine. Yeah. Uh, Timo Werner scored the goal uh, and... Leipzig were just so much better than Dortmund. But the this reason I what, say it yeah. should have been 2-0, uh, yeah. it should have been 1-0, sorry, not 2-0, is because time was more than up at the end of the game. <laughs> and the referee could have absolutely blown up 
after that uh, Dortmund corner. Yeah. But just let it go. And instead just thought, fuck it. <laughs> and just let five Leipzig players bear down on the Dortmund goal. There are some refs, you know, there, there are some refs who are like, extra, they like, um, they treat extra time or added time a bit like those hip hop tunes. They just play out the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> they just keep fading out. <laughs> you know that, that video of Paulie from The Sopranos just going, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what that ref was doing, basically, for the whole, for the whole Leipzig break. Yes. Just sat there going, <laughs> <laughs> they ran the break really well though yeah but they also nearly fucked it up they because <laughs> there was like four or five of them against what two Dortmund defenders in the end That's and true. they really took their time then they and they eventually got it away and that was it and Marco Rosa was off pegging it down those scenes but yeah must be pretty sweet for Marco Rosa against his old club yeah. and uh, not you so good week that. for Dortmund but to be honest Dortmund didn't deserve anything from this game I don't think the one thing that was a bit concerning for them was just they were so slow into 50-50s and they lost quite a few as well. Mm. That was weird. Watching them lose lose tackles, lose challenges and like really important areas of the pitch, bad turnovers. Timo Werner looked brilliant. Um, I gotta say, again, there is a player who's just really enjoying life back life mm. back home. Yeah. I mean it was never as bad as everyone made him out to be no, no, when no. it was over. No, no. Like just wasn't at all. Um in the other quarterfinal, uh, Stuttgart beat Nuremberg, Nuremberg yeah. uh, to go through. So the draw for the, the semifinals is on the ninth. There was also a cup in Italy. There was. First legs of the Coppa Italia semifinals. Yes. Fiorentina beating Cremonese 2-0. In Cremonese, I think they probably are through. It's a shame because Cremonese been a good run. They beat a couple of really good teams. Yeah, I mean, they knocked out Napoli. They knocked out Roma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's going to be tricky for them to come back to, you know, in Florence. Yeah, yeah. But um, obviously the, the main, there was a Derby d'Italia, there's a Derby d'Italia tie. Um, Juve and Inter drawing one all um, in Turin. Um, all the action kind of happened late in the game. Quadrado gave Juve the lead after 83 minutes and then Romelu Lukaku, uh, with a, who'd come on as a substitute, actually, yeah. um, scored the penalty and after suffering a load of racist abuse again in Turin as an interplayer stood there held his finger to his lips said a few words back to the crowd which I didn't translate because my Italian isn't good mm. and the ref gave him a second yellow and sent him off I mean giving racists what they wanted that's how that stuff gets normalised isn't it that's exactly how it gets normalised right if you mm. you talk about the steps it takes for society to go bad. And we know that Italy has got big problems politically um, because history has shown that that form of rule generally does not end in happiness for most of the population over time, even the ones that vote for that form of rule. It doesn't end well really for most people, for almost no one, it ends well. And part of the step towards it is stuff like this. It's an attitude towards you know, sustained racist abuse Everyone knows how crowds go at Lukaku. This is not new. Well, we literally did one of the earliest Stadio yeah. episodes. Yeah. 2019, three and a half years ago, was about this, in this very fixture mm. in this very stadium. And here we are again. God knows what the black UV players make of it. The sad thing, the grim thing is that the referee is, the referee is, is part of that environment, unfortunately. The referee is part of that normalised environment. Um, and I think it's that kind of, mustn't grumble, don't stir it up type energy. Maybe it's a bit of that 
But like when I say normalized, I mean like I don't see the referee as, as his own prejudice. It's more like when you just see someone raising raising the alarm or anything like that as someone that's part of the problem. Mm. If that's your energy, then you're part of the problem too, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um President of Rock Nation Sports International who represent Lukaku, Michael Yormack, um, released a statement saying tonight racist remarks made towards Romelu Lukaku by Juventus fans in Turin were beyond despicable and cannot be accepted. Romelu scored a late penalty in the game. Before, during and after the penalty, he was subjected to hostile and disgusting racist abuse. Romelu celebrated in the same manner he has previously celebrated goals. The referee's response was to award a yellow card to Romelu. Romelu deserves an apology from Juventus and I expect the league to condemn the behaviour of this group of Juventus supporters immediately. The Italian authorities must use this opportunity to tackle racism rather than punish the victim of the abuse. I am certain that the footballing world shares the same sentiment. Sadly, I'm not certain the football world shares the same sentiment. I'm not certain at all. There's no evidence of that, unfortunately. I think he's appealing to the better angels of the footballing world's nature, but I don't think the footballing world shares that sentiment. Not overall, actually. Sorry to be harsh, but I don't think it does. Mm. I don't think it does, actually. Uh, Juventus posted a, th- a tweet saying Juventus Football Club as always are collaborating with the police to identify those responsible for the racist gestures and chants which took place last night uh, this was a uh, statement went up on Wednesday so it's actually it's, it's nice to see Juve have publicly said yeah. something at least but yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we wait to see what actually happens no, but the first thing that should actually ha- should happen is that yellow card needs to be taken yeah, away yeah, yeah, yeah. second legs of those are coming up in a few weeks uh, 26th of April is the return leg and 27th for Fiorentina Cremonese. Other cup stuff? Yeah, Ajax beating final 2-1. Um, plenty of incident here. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. smoke and fire. Um, David Klaassen putting Ajax ahead with what would be the winner and then having to leave the field with an injury um, from projectile thrown from the crowd. So the crowd, so actually both teams leave the field. Mm. And then come back a bit later, game is resumed. Uh, Ajax gone to win it in a hostile environment, I think it's fair to say. So they, they proceed to the cup final. Um, and that game typically as incendiary as you'd expect from a fixture with that history. So yeah, um, luckily Carson appears to be okay. Um, mm. Yeah, Kenneth Taylor sent off it towards the end of that game as well. In Ajax roll, Ajax roll on. Ajax roll into the final where they will yeah. play. PSV, who beat Sparkenburg 2-1. So an Ajax-PSV final at the end of the month. Tasty. Let's take a quick break. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Let's go to the Premier League. Should we begin with Newcastle? Yes, I think we have to. Uh, Beating West Ham 5-1 at the London Stadium. Can I say, teams that play in Claret in the Premier League are invisible. You see how (laughs) Aston Villa have quietly crept up. Who was it who uh, you were talking about Villa the other day on Twitter and and a Villa fan literally responded to you being like, shh, 
Musa, stop, stop. Look at Chelsea and all the shiny things. I love that. Do you remember? I think it was, I think that was the, it was a Villa fan that time that I responded to saying this. I think this is literally the first time that a, a club from outside the big six has told us to stop talking about the yes. podcast. <laughs> I love that. I mean, Villa winning again against Leicester 2-1. Yeah, oh my with, goodness. I mean, with a, oh, God. an <laughs> unbelievable goal from Traore. I mean, let's just shout Villa out now. Why not? Because they are essentially a winning machine. They won the like so five out of six or the like four out of the last five. What is it? Like they want to run. Five of their last six. Yeah, yeah. My goodness. They had that run when they lost at home to Leicester. Mm. They lost to City and then they lost to Arsenal and they've not lost since that defeat at home to Arsenal. Fantastic. Ah, oh, great to watch too. Yeah. Played a game more, but they're a point ahead of Liverpool. Aston Villa are above Liverpool in the Premier League team. It's incredible. And it's April. But, but we were talking about West Ham. Yes, Another West Ham. team in Claret that were invisible for the wrong reasons. Yes, who are going under the radar, um, alarmingly so. Now, look, caveat, there are, if you look at the league table at the moment, between Wolves and the bottom of the league, there's like, what, like six points? So, and those teams all have quite bad goal differences. So all of those teams are in trouble. Um, West Ham trouble in trouble in a really alarming way because we talked about the psychological side of the game. It's really concerning. Like, first of all, Newcastle have to have credit because of the way they tore into this game. They have got deceptively good squad depth. Like, they have really good replacement. You could bring Anthony Gordon off the bench. You know, you've got a deep squad. Um, yeah, you know, they, they have got they have yeah. got they have got some serious players. But I I hadn't seen them unleash like this in a while. You know, if Dude, you consider they the, brought the, on yeah. Alexander Isak with 25 minutes to go. This is the thing. They have depth, man. Like, and the, the, they've, every buy they've made so far has been, like they've acquired sensibly, right? So then what you see with Newcastle now, um, we see the defensive strength and that's the basis of their, you know, their very good goal difference. Mm. But they really went at, um, you know what it was? The intensity they went at Man City actually. You know when they tore mm. at Man City with a 3-1 lead and then Man City pulled it back? It reminded me of that. I haven't seen them with that intense in attack since that. Callum Wilson, Joe Linton just getting what they wanted early on. At Longstaff again, extremely impressive. That midfield, you know what it is? We, we talk about like, you know we talk about attacks which fit because everyone gets out of each other's way. Longstaff, Gimarish and Joe Linton is just the right blend of everything, actually as a midfield three, and it just completely overran West Ham, who didn't do themselves any favours. They, they, they didn't, they didn't. And the defense, you're not going to say, Ryan, the self-inflicted defensive wounds are the most concerning thing oh of all. Oh God. Brutal. There were some really, really poor, poor decisions, like poor moments in this game. Was it the, um, which one would it have been? At the very start, at the very end, Fabianski throughout had a difficult encounter with them. Um, yeah. With Newcastle, he had a difficult encounter. The problem with these defensive mistakes is these goalkeeping mistakes. Keepers coming off the line and making his mistakes. You look at that in isolation. It's him coming off his line, and him getting lobbed by Isaac. You see that amazing photo? Yeah, yeah. You, you post in the chat. There's a uh, an image that you can just search Fabianski Isaac, and they're both stood next to each other with their hands on the hips, and they're watching. That you can't see the ball, but they're watching Isaac's volley go in. It's unbelievable. It the, looks like they're just waiting around for a stoppage. Maybe the defenders were. This is the problem. If you look yeah. at West Ham's back line, 
when a goalkeeper rushes off his line and makes a mistake like that, it's primarily the goalkeeper's fault. There's also, mm. though, I think as well, that whole breakdown in communication between defensive midfield, centre-backs, even full-backs, where someone makes a run like that because they're not sure who will be taking responsibility. And that's a systemic problem as much as an individual one. And that's the real concern for West Ham. Each time I see them, I just think to myself, they're so brittle. Like mm. they could and should still stay up just because there's a log jam of teams beneath them. But if they plummet in the last few games, it will not be the wildest surprise. You know, there's always a team in the relegation zone that, that plummets. Mm. It, it, it could be a team like that, actually. I hope it's not, but it could be. When you're down that end of the table. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have one, two, three, four teams on 27 points. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. The gap between Palace in 12th and Southampton at the bottom of the table is seven points, which is wild. Literally anyone from 12th down can go down, basically. Yeah. I think that when you're in West Ham's position, you know, drawing one all against Villa, it's Villa. They're, they're really well coached. Yeah. They're doing really well. Brighton, you can kind of compartmentalise a little bit because they're Brighton. Yes. I mean, to be honest, they could compartmentalise it and basically be like, oh, it's Newcastle. But it was the way in which the goals it's, happened it's, it's this time. It's exactly. Like, if, if, that, the, Newcastle had that amazing move uh, where they were, they like switched the ball twice and they were like going for, and they, they nearly scored and it would have been like one of the goals of the season if they'd pulled it off. But the thing that until that point, I, all I could find myself thinking was like, Newcastle haven't even been that good. They haven't needed to be actually. That's not a criticism of Newcastle because like they played well, but mm. they didn't have to play that well. The worrying thing. Well, the worrying thing with um, which for them is yeah. amazing if you think about it, because they haven't. I don't, it didn't feel like they exerted a huge amount of stress or energy for a five-one winning. They cruised it for them, absolutely ideal at this stage of the season. They absolutely got what they wanted from this game, and that's the concern that the you're right. The concessions were demoralising. If you if a team scores a worldie against you, either a worldie that's a team goal or a strike from distance, then fine, you take that. But when you are imploding. Mm-hmm. to this extent that's a real concern because then you're looking around and thinking well where's the where's the stability going to come from where are the match winners going to come from and with West Ham there are, with West Ham sorry with West Ham West Ham, West, West Ham oh my god <laughs> West Ham yeah but it is harm isn't it so I hope, I hope they put it around but um, there's no immediate solutions to that to be honest no that's what we saw in that game no uh, quick shout for Manchester United to beat Brentford 1-0 it was a good result for Manchester United actually it was yeah um, yeah we mentioned uh, Villa's win over Leicester. Uh, Leeds with a good win over Forest. Really good, yeah. Is Steve Cooper still there? I think so. You just look at the amount of players that he's had to harness, work with. Yeah, I, I think I don't, I don't see why he shouldn't still be there, to be honest. All right. Do you want to know a fun fact? <laughs> What's that? Uh, yeah, Steve Cooper's two months younger than That you. amazes me. Do you know why? Because it's one thing, like, we know when a player like, does amazing things at, like, 19, to be a coach of an organisation, because that's relatable, right? That's a managerial thing. That's why Nagelsmann blows my mind. Mm. Nagelsmann is like a prodigy. To have coached Bayern, regardless of how it ended, to have coached Bayern Munich before the age of 40 mm. is incredible. <laughs> he's, he normalised it. He's that good that he normalised it. And that's one thing he doesn't get enough credit for. There's a great video of um, Nagelsmann giving some executive lecture on YouTube and I'm just like this man is talking like he's been working like as a CEO of Apple for 30 years like he's so smart it's ridiculous but yeah anyway uh, so yeah good result for Leeds and um, they are now up to 
13th. This is when you win the game down that part of the table. You just fly up the league. Brighton beating Bournemouth 2-0 uh, in Bournemouth. Good result for them. And uh, we mentioned, obviously, Everton, Spurs and Wrighty's house, so we won't go to that now. But um, yeah, the other game, last on match of the day and last on Stadio, Chelsea-Liverpool. Mm. Well, I think Chelsea probably did enough to win this game. They did, they did. Kai Havertz. A um, couple of goals ruled out. Could, yeah, could have done better. Mm. Should have done better, I would say. Enzo Fernandez again. Brilliant. Nothing really much seems to bother that guy, actually. Enzo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he is. Enzo is actually that guy sitting in the meme when everything's burning going, it's fine, but he's actually fine. That's the difference. <laughs> That's the difference. He's actually fine. <laughs> this man stepped into a burning building of Argentina's World Cup and he resurrected that. Of course he's chilled out of Chelsea. Like, he's looking around. This is nothing, lads. Everyone's going, oh my God, Chelsea's in turmoil. He's like, uh, we literally lost to Saudi and I came into the team at the age of 20. And everyone was losing it. Like, it's just, I've got this. <laughs> I was like, guys, chill. Enzo is here. Enzo is here. Enzo's yeah, the one- here. Like, it's fine. <laughs> the one man that turns up, to, he's on, imagine like a Sapphireman. <laughs> he drives it himself. No one else. <laughs> Where's Enzo? Hey, hey, listen, listen. The crew's back at the crew's back at the station. Yeah, Enzo's gone by himself. He's put it out. He sorted it. He even got the cat out of the tree. He's made a cuppa. He's made a cuppa for himself. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm really happy for Enzo Fernandez just because in the middle of all that mess, he is still, you know, he's, it is. Calm, he's just so calm. We've talked yeah. about the pressure on these like 100 million euro signings and you see it weighing on Mudrick, you see it weighing on Anthony and Enzo doesn't care. He's just chilling. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely sure that Chelsea needed uh, Enzo, Kante and Kovacic in that 5-3-2. Five, th- five, no, but at the same time, it's the most tuckle midfield I can think of. <laughs> he was not even there yeah, exactly rent free <laughs> interesting um, times at Chelsea uh, looks like yeah they might I mean have... it looks like Fra- yeah Frank coming back yeah what do you think uh, what do you think about that oh my god that's a whole podcast uh, I think it's do you know what it is I think I mean, it, it could is be, it could be one for writers house actually what I'll say with very quickly I think about Frank Lampard going to Chelsea I think it's just a sign of where they are now I think they're it's a bit of chaos um, I'm not sure I think it's a slightly, it's a slight shame for Bruno actually, mm. uh, because I'd like to have seen what his ideas could do. And I think him leading Chelsea in the Champions League against Real Madrid, it gives them a bit of continuity. There were some positive signs against Liverpool. That's the thing. There was some, some good movements, some good, you know, again, they could have taken it. So I, yeah. I think I'm, I feel slightly, if anyone in the situation has been a bit hard done, but I think it's Bruno actually, because he's, worked, Salter, with, yeah. Yeah, he's worked with the players. Um, They've got that big tie. They did really well, actually, to beat Dortmund in the Champions League. That was an impressive win. Um, I know that Dortmund were missing key players, but still, it was a really good win. I just felt he deserved to lead them himself, actually, because the tactical setup, whatever it would be, would be different under Lampard. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the interesting thing. I think, like, the Lampard appointment is very much... I'm not, I'm not comparing for one second Frank Lampard and Carlo Ancelotti, so please don't think I am, but it's very much just kind of like... A guy will come in and be like, you're all really good players. Yes, exactly. Go and play football. Yeah. I mean, that's what Chelsea need for the rest of the season. Just a little bit of like fun. That sounds right. just, you know, go and play, go and play. I Um, agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, they've had what? Fired two managers for the first time ever. If Frank Lampard does come in, then that would have been four people who would have taken charge this season, which is wild. 
Can I also and say- they still th- can, And they still like, I mean, I was joking in the writer's house group, but I was just said to me, oh, I was just like, congratulations on your 2023 Champions League. Well, can I be honest with you? Nothing would be more Chelsea than winning the Champions winning League. Winning the Champions now. League, yeah. Nothing would be, yeah. yeah. It would be even more Chelsea to win the Champions League now than it was for Real Madrid to win it last year. Yeah. Yeah. And like Frank Lampard, I think coming in, I don't think Frank Lampard is, we're having this conversation away from, away from the mics, but I think he'd make a really good number two. I'm not entirely sure that at the very, very top level, he's, well, I don't think at the top level he's, He's an elite manager, but I think he could be a really handy well, number two for some. Few are, few are. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like for example, he'd like imagine if he was Mourinho's number two. Oh my god, or something like that. Do you know what oh I mean? My like, god. oh my god, or, or even to be honest, Ancelotti, like someone like Frank Lampard, no, I thought I would be a great number two for someone like Ancelotti if he ever needs someone like that. I think he'd be. I think he could make a really good number two. I agree um, because it's such a such an important role. You've got to be the glue, technical, tactical, always looking out for new ideas boss if you thought about this if you thought about this and just really being part of a really strong organisation I think he'd be a great hire do you know what whoever comes in at Chelsea could do a lot worse than get someone like Frank Lampard in as number two I agree actually that's a really strong shout really strong love that actually there we go there you go we fixed everything again we fixed fixed Chelsea (laughs) I mean no there's something no no we can't do that (laughs) even even with our hypothetical no, we, do not have, we do not have the intellectual firepower to fix Chelsea. We do not. Anyway, should we get out of here? Because you need to catch a train. I do indeed. Hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Don't forget to check Wright's house and Counterpressed and all the other great stuff on the ringer. And don't forget to check the Stadio Archer's place on Spotify. Speaking of which, Musa, can I interest you in a kind of weirdo wave cover version of Psycho Killer by Talking Heads? Why, absolutely. Entirely relevant to my interests. Well, this cover version is by Politrio. Came out a few years ago on the amazing Emotional Rescue label, who kindly let us use their stuff. Amazing. So we will be playing out with a load of their stuff. Um, anything you want to add, Musok Wonga? Nothing further. Well, safe travels. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Bright and early. Indeed you will. All right. Much love, dude. Much see love, everyone else. Have a lovely weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Take care, gang. I don't know.